When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have at this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on the podcast this week is Van West, founder and CEO of Vocalytics. Understanding the best practices of your top performers and deploying that knowledge at scale is really, that's ultimately been our play. We've also recognized that in the COVID world that we're living in, there's less in-person exchanges occurring and those that do occur are less face-to-face. With all the traction and all the momentum that we've built, understanding at this point in time, we now have to start building towards what that new normal is. And we built a technology to listen in in the physical world. Coughing is the number one way that COVID is spread. So rather than filtering out the background noise, let's lean into it to differentiate our product beyond COVID towards this new normal, while also we can help and serve the general population, whether it's return to work, return to campus, or return to the physical worlds for in-person interactions, we want to keep everyone safe. This is Van. He's an accomplished strategic business development and marketing executive with over 15 years of experience, leading teams in startup to Fortune 500 environments. He has a product-minded entrepreneurial approach with focus on strategy, growth, and product, and is passionate about the digital engagement to creatively exploit revenue opportunities. He co-founded Gifty One in 2013. He was the SVP of marketing at Umba, VP of Global Business Development at VMAX and Chief Strategic Officer at Reality Smash. Besides that, he's also a guest lecturer at the University of Irvine. In November 2019, he founded Vocalytics, an enterprise-grade voice and sound analytics platform built for the physical world. Vocalytics is on a mission to improve enterprise performance, associate engagement and customer experience, all through the power of voice and sound. And that inspired me, and hence I invited Van to my podcast. We explore why so many enterprises today are unaware of the context and the triggers that are impacting human behavior of both their people and customers, and how that is leading to compromising experience, loyalty, and the performance of their business. We address what can be done about that, and also dig into the big lessons learned in bringing such products to the market in a time where everything we have become so used to has changed. And besides that, Van also shares his insights behind the choices that he made to deliberately not enter the obvious high growth categories in the marketplace. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, how to get things off the ground faster and with more impact by listening to your customers with intent. Secondly, 
The essentials to carve out a space that you cannot only be successful in, but also dominate. Thirdly, why time is the most important resource for startups and how to utilize it optimally. And fourthly, how to create velocity by ensuring every member on your team is committed to the journey ahead and enabling them to shine. Hi Ben, thank you for being yeah, on my podcast today and making time available on your busy agenda. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Tan. It's a pleasure is on my side and I think it's going to be a fascinating call simply because we've talked before and I know what your company is all about. Just before we kick in and yeah, go into talk about your company, Vocalytics, a little bit about you. So if you had to describe yourself in two or three words as an entrepreneur, what words would you use to do to, uh, to do um, You know, I would say mindset, perseverance, and adaptability. Nice ones. Adaptability. Good. No, I mean, there's a number of them that, that, that come around quite a lot and particularly the mindset I like and we're going to re- let, let's let's ask a question later on about it but maybe but well just kick it off right away what do you mean with the mindset here yeah you know mindset to me I think it's it's a little bit different to everyone but you can kind of generalize mindset to me is an understanding of not just thinking forward but understanding what's happening occurring in the moments and being able to take a step back and appreciate those moments while understanding how to connect those dots along the journey towards a given outcome. Love that. It. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. to elaborate a little further, I'll say, you know, communication is something that is, it's crucial. We're social beings as humans. Mindset to me is also, has a lot to do with perspective. And so there's a lot of things you can control in conversation and communication. And perspective is the one thing you can't control, how it's received specifically. You cannot control that. You can control what you say, why you say it, how you say it, when you say it, but you can't control how it's received. You don't know, you know, frankly, I don't know what side of the bed you woke up on this morning or, you know, the last 30 years of your life that led to today in this moment, but that's out of my control. It's understanding that it is outside of my control and appreciating that it is outside of my control and still pushing forward towards a given outcome effectively. Yeah. Yeah. That's where uh, effective communication comes in. And that's, I think also a storyline in your, in their whole, yeah, the kind of starting of your company. So Vocalytics, you started with two partners. You grew quite, quite rapidly over the last months, actually. What is the big idea? And I mean, how did it start? What was the problem that you saw that, that needed a different solution? So, you know, I'll go back to my first venture as an entrepreneur eight, nine, 10 years ago or whatnot. So over my career, I've had a handful of ventures where I was a founder and you know some hits and some misses. You learn a lot more from the misses than you do from the hits. And throughout the process, my first venture, we joined a small incubator down in Irvine, California. And you know the first thing they teach you in quote unquote startup school is listen to your customer. Understand them better than they understand themselves. Don't listen for their problems, understand their pain points three to five layers deep. And so listening with intent to uncover those core pain points that drive a specific problem that a a subset of the population or your market is experiencing. And then always understand that, ask questions about, you know, 
problem solution and then there's also opportunity understand that there's there's potential to be an opportunity but there's potential to disprove that hypothesis as well so it all kind of started with that mentality of listening to your customers and i was a part of a hyper growth as i'll phrase it venture where i was the first guy hired in we scaled rapidly over two years we had some top tier brands from fortune one all the way through the largest technology company in the world those were paying clients of ours within the first year in business. Learned a ton from that experience. And you know, from two years from start to finish, as we scaled rapidly, it really turned into understanding and the customer development conversations, understanding you know, how we could bring a great technology to a market. Who are we going to serve? Who are, what problems are we solving? And that's how we were able to get off the ground quickly is just understanding that having those conversations with, with the intent of you know, I'm not here to sell you something. I'm here to learn about what your, your pain points are that are driving this problem for your enterprise. And so just listening was kind of always a theme where I always found a level of success. And usually it was the earlier on I decided to listen, the faster we were successful just throughout my career. So with Vocalytics, you know, my, my last role was in bringing a computer vision technology to market taking dumb security cameras and making them smart for commercial real estate, retail real estate, large open air shopping malls, all the way through retailers, national retailers as well, the largest in the world. And so we, we took dumb eyes and turned them smart with our software. So our play with Vocalytics turned into, let's take those now smart eyes and let's empower them with our smart ear technology. So every security camera in the world already has a microphone baked into them. Yeah. Let's enable those. So security cameras only looking in one direction with a certain objective, pixels and frames, and recognizing with vision, these are the actionable metrics. But understanding there's also a microphone embedded where we can interpret additional value in a 360 degree radius, whether it's coughing or gunshots or aggression or whatnot for those sound events or even understanding conversational context at certain points of service that are more conversational in nature, such as a pharmacy counter or a returns counter in a retail environment. So really enabling anything with a, an acoustic input, being a microphone, to become an intelligent listening and understanding tool. Okay, did you see any particular problem why, why such technology would be of great value? It wasn't just one. <laughs> it wasn't just one particular problem. That's perhaps a great place to be when your, your product or technology applies uh -huh. to so many verticals and so many use cases, but it can also be to a startup's detriment to try and address too many problems, too many, sure. too many verticals. So, you know, we've identified a few as a theme. So the, the retail service counters and, and specifically the ones that are more high value relationships being at the pharmacy and within an electronics department where, you know, you're selling a several hundred dollar, TV or a, a cell phone plan that's for a lifetime value of that customer relationship. It's more consultative in nature. There's a lot of depth in the exchange in understanding that conversation and then turning that into intelligence to where and really measuring and then interpreting that into intelligence to where the next conversation you have, the next touch point you have that's with a similar behavioral profile, then here's how you improve that conversation as well. We want to understand the, the baseline rather than trying to inject our knowledge throughout that, that organic communication, 
understanding the baseline, measuring it, and then interpreting that into actionable value after the fact to improve the collective fleet of service workers. That's really our play. Understanding the best practices of your top performers and deploying that knowledge at scale is really, that's ultimately been our play. We've also recognized that in the COVID world that we're living in, there's less in-person exchanges occurring and those that do occur are less face-to-face. They're socially distanced. Exactly. So understanding that we have a, a fantastic voice platform, truly innovative that we're bringing to markets and have brought to market just in the last couple of years since we've been noodling on this idea. With all the traction and all the momentum that we've built, understanding at this point in time, we now have to start building towards what that new normal is and recognizing that, so my little sister has a highly compromised immune system, severely compromised immune system. And we built a technology to listen in in the physical world. Coughing is the number one way that COVID is spread. So rather than filtering out the background noise, let's lean into it to differentiate our product beyond COVID towards this new normal while also we can help and serve the general population, whether it's return to work, return to campus, or return to the physical worlds for in-person interactions, we wanna keep everyone safe. So kind of health, safety, and security monitoring through acoustic sounds and really upper respiratory ailments or distressed events, such as coughing. That was kind of the first model that we built to provide value to return to the, the real world safely. Yeah, true. Yeah, sometimes it's about presenting something. Sometimes it's also about taking something to the next level. I mean, I like your example about creating top performers because we know who they are. So how can we make the rest of them yeah, level up in the same way with, with a little bit of guidance? That's exactly the reason why I started this podcast in the first place. Uh, the stories of how we can create value that we haven't seen before by combining technology and people in the right way. So I like that uh, example. What I also like is, yeah, I mean, how you kind of, use the part of sound whatever the sound is like you say uh, coughing gunshots i mean whatever is happening that we normally don't even realize but it's still happening in the background and how that can make it make us more alert and uh, create safer places fascinating and there's so many opportunities that if you look at that particular thing in itself completely yeah. and that's the biggest challenge <laughs> yeah i can i can completely agree so from your rapid Takeoff, going through COVID, what you see right now, what is the opportunity to get this right? Have you already got some cases where your customers say have this before and after type of experience? Yeah, so we're, we're still super early into deploying the technology. Yeah. We were accepted, you know, thankfully we were accepted into a Techstars program, which Techstars is the largest seed fund in the world. There are also a, a startup technology accelerator program, one of the largest in the world. And... You know, so Techstars, the specific program that we were accepted into was the United Healthcare Accelerator. And so right behind me, I'm actually out here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, going to be heading into the office shortly afterwards. But, you know, we recognized that with this play around health, safety and security in the physical worlds, as people return to work, as people return to retail driven environments and have those in-person interactions yet again, building towards that new normal and you recognize some trends in retail with Walmart Health popping up in, in several locations around the country. They already have a handful of them live. And the purpose behind that business to build out more of a healthcare initiative. The Best Buy is another great example locally out here in Minneapolis. They've built out a fantastic remote patient monitoring platform, RPM, 
prior to jumping into healthcare and this accelerator, I, I thought that was revolutions per second or revolutions per minute in a car. And having built a fantastic engine, that's, that's really where I thought we'd go. Remote patient monitoring is something that's incredibly new to me. So having been connected at the top of United Healthcare, the largest insurance, health insurance payer in the yeah. country, and one of the largest as it recognizes a global brand, being connected to the top through Techstars as a part of their accelerator program, we've learned so much just in the last two weeks, even <laughs> you know, two, three weeks of starting the program, that we have some serious ways we can improve remote patient monitoring post-diagnostic for long-term care and skilled nursing homes. Also from an in-home perspective, once you've been diagnosed with COPD or you have asthma post-diagnosis, we can be that monitoring solution that's only listening in for those specific sound profiles. Just a snapshot within the waveform to recognize this is a cough or this is a sneeze or this is wheezing not even analyzing the words, the text, the, the transcript, or doing any transcription whatsoever, just specifically looking at the sound profile yeah. can keep those patients and those members from a payer's perspective out of a hospital that do have sure. a chronic condition. That's 90% of their cost is sure. when members go into the hospital. And then also on the flip side of that, understanding that you know, from, from a patient's perspective as an individual, if there is a chronic condition like my sister has, to influence that, to keep them out of the hospital is enabling them to have a better quality of life as well. There you go. True. So, you know, it's, it's also helping the, the facilities, those long-term care and, and skilled nursing homes, you know, any facilities, even hospitals, clinics, you know, so many different types of facilities to ensure better quality of life while allocating their resources more effectively to understand as, you know, a nurse may go door to door to door doing their rounds now it's effectively routing them to the patients that may need more frequent treatments or, or maybe need more frequent attention as well. So literally it's all three of those pieces of the value chain. We've recognized we can autonomously and effectively with the machine monitor and improve quality of life, business operations, and then even reduce drastic costs from a payer perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating that you, and it's not even that you kind of do it from the healthcare perspective, but you do it from the insurance side as well. And indeed, you, you told, you, you're right. I mean, 90% of the cost is of people going into hospitals. And if you can prevent that, that's helping everybody. I mean, I recall the situations in a couple of countries here in Europe recently with COVID, where kind of hospitals got completely overloaded, of course, with patients. And at some point, I think in Italy, they had to make choices like who is going to into this room and who is not. Like, by all means, you want to prevent that. And if you can do that across the board, then it's very good. Now, I would like to kind of dig in a little bit into the journey of how the solution came along and what you did specifically to make it, uh, what, what particular development choices or product strategy choices you made to make in order to deliver a remarkable impact. What did you say yes to and what did you possibly say no to? Yeah, you know, we had the intent starting 2020 going into the year to go down a path of serving a service industry. So hospitality, specifically hotels, resorts, more of the high end. Think of Forbes Travel Guide, the 2000 or so properties that are Forbes Travel Guide rated that are at the epitome of service. Those are the properties where we wanted to really source the best practices and deployment scale. That's a challenged market for us to be in in, in the world of COVID when <laughs> so, so few of us are traveling. 
and staying in nicer resorts properties as well. So, you know, we, we sort of took that insight and that knowledge and recognized that retail is still going to be around. People still need to shop. They still need to go into stores. They still need access to amenities as well. So people are still going to be in retail. Retail is still a fantastic place for us. Staying in the physical world is something that, that we really wanted to do. We, we could have taken the technology and jumped right into Zoom calls like we're on right now yeah. or into call centers. There's been so much fantastic innovation in each one of those spaces with the Zoom calls, especially with the, the telemedicine movements as it's accelerated hyper growth in the last five or six months. True. We, we could have absolutely jumped into that movement, but we actually, I would say, really just chose not to. And we chose not to because there are so many fantastic players that have so, so many incredible innovative solutions, frankly, with much larger war chests that have been doing it for much longer, that we didn't want to try and disrupt a market that already has so much innovation involved. You know, that's, it's already, it's already taken care of, you know, from the most part and those larger players and even the smaller players that are, are coming to market today, coming out of other accelerator programs as well. They've got fantastic solutions that if we can stay in a space that has a low level of competition being the physical world's, providing intelligence specifically in the physical worlds, we can remain in this space and get this off the ground as a, not necessarily a first mover, but as one of the early movers in this market, we can become a true market leader. Let me make a small interruption here. Van just made an excellent remark about the secret to success of his business by deliberately deciding when not to play and to find that sweet spot that has low level competition where they can solve a meaningful and critical problem by listening with intent to their customers, and with that create defensible differentiation and become the vendor people talk about. He masters a number of traits that define remarkable software business. And this is something that you can master as well to turn your software business into one that your customers keep talking about. I'd recommend you to start by reading or by listening to my book, The Remarkable Effect. You can find that on amazon.com. If you want to turn your thoughts into action, and start a journey to become a remarkable software business, simply join our tribe for tech entrepreneurs on a mission. You can request to join at valueinspiration.com. Back to the interview. Yeah. So that's why we chose to stay in the physical world. You know, to say that we have a hardware widget, where if you don't have an input, if you don't have a microphone strategically placed, we can source one for you. We use commercially off-the-shelf available parts. I'm going to say I don't have one with me, but about the same size as a case of AirPods. Tiny, yeah. passive, discreet but it's not proprietary to us. We don't want it to be. We're just the engine. It's tough to demonstrate the power in an engine if you don't have a car to wrap around it. So whether it's a a Pinto or Ferrari, you know, that matters less to us. It's just an input at the end of the day where our engine can process that intelligence and then output or visualize and output results and analysis. And for us, whether that's from conversations, retail interactions with the customer as an always on, satisfaction tool. Think about replacing the NPS, the the reviews, the surveys that you typically get on the bottom of a receipt when you're grabbing a prescription from a pharmacy or a retail transaction. Imagine if that didn't exist because it's adding a layer of friction to that experience. So few actually complete them. It's not really a qualified data set to begin with to turn into action. So if we had an always on listening and understanding just the tonality and sentiment on that side of the equation, to improve and really source the best practices to improve the fleet of service workers that are at the front line 
that I believe that looking at the workforce as a, as a pyramid, starting at that foundational bottom, where whether it's the front desk clerk at a hotel that's checking you in, or if it's the pharmacist or someone working at the returns counter or in electronics departments as a sales associate, any one of those interactions is truly at the front line of customer service and really service. Not to dig too deep into that, but service is what it's all about. We want to help to serve that subset of workers so they can help provide better service to their customers at the end of the day. Yes. Have you built any specific, what did you do? I like the part that you kind of narrowed it down in terms of the segmentation and then who you're for and who you're not for at the end. It reminds me of conversations I had with, for example, companies like Aerobotics that also went for the non-obvious parts of the market, the smaller ends, but yeah, aim to be the best in that area. I love that. Did you do anything specific in order to yeah, create a product that is also hard to copy by your competitors? Yeah, and that's one of the, I would say it's more of a byproduct that uh-huh. has come out of building towards the new norm with, right. with COVID. We were filtering out the background noise. Now we've actually started classifying those background noises as events. So when you're returning something to a retailer at the returns counter and there's a baby crying behind you, that was probably a key driver on why the sentiment of the exchange, the velocity of the exchange either slowed down, people were looking around, understanding that, that there's an event or if there was an aggressive event that was happening right next to you at the counter next door, you know, those nuances and understanding the background noise and classifying them, that's been more of a byproduct to really differentiate our products to say that any competitors that want to go into the physical world will now have to start realizing it's not just about filtering out the background noise. It's also leaning into it and classifying (laughs) what drives that particular event. So it's honestly, it's it's been a byproduct and a blessing. (laughs) It really helps and it makes the whole yeah, how, you, how accurate you can actually be makes it a total, totally different experience. I love that. So going into the sales cycle, product is now, well, it's like it's, it's coming to market right now. I mean, what I've learned from example from one of your colleagues in this market, uh, Scott Sandland from Cyrano, and you know him. Dear friends. That's what I heard. Indeed. What I learned initially from him is that when he created his product, it was far ahead of the market. So he didn't get, get any traction with it. So it's, it's almost like unbelievable that the results are too good to be true and no one wants to buy. <laughs> so, what did you experience bringing this to market? And did you have a similar experience or actually one that is completely the opposite, creating a lot of momentum? So having a few ventures of my own in the past, I've learned that you know, team and timing are the two biggest things that drive success of a business at this stage. It takes the right team to recognize that this is the right time to bring this particular solution to market in this particular fashion. To understand what the opportunity is, is the market here or are we missing the boat? Are we too far, just like call center AI, just to, to bring it back to that and then the virtual stuff as well that we could jump into, you know, microphones and input. So you could be on one end of the phone. It's a really simple, I would say it's, a, it's very rudimentary problem to solve because you're speaking directly into the microphone. The noise isolation, the cancellation, all of that's all already filtered out on both ends, usually through the hardware. And so, you know, that's why there's been so many players in, in that space. I would say that that market is too mature. So that's, that market is too far along for us to dive into at this stage and try and become a player in those worlds. Not to say we can't, but we definitely wouldn't be a market leader overnight with the likes of nuance and nice and, you know, some of the larger players that are out there, you know, Google's in calls and contact centers today. 
it's interesting to see, you can see a market that's too far along to jump into, but you can also see a market that's too early to dive into. And my, yeah. my first venture, I built a, a mobile gifting experience where it was all about gifting experiences, curated experiences around the recipient's interests. We had integrations with Facebook and social at that point. You know, this was probably going back 10 years. You think about 10 years ago, apps barely existed on the iPhone. The iPhone really barely existed. So we were a little ahead of our time when it came down to gifting an experience that was new with Groupon and whatnot. Just experience gifting that world was incredibly new, but especially driven towards a mobile experience and integrating with a social experience as well. We were a little early. So I guess to round that out, my thought on it is I've been through the too early phase and recognizing that voice technology in the physical world as a passive listening service to understand context and conversations to drive better outcomes. Maybe we're a little head on, on that piece as well, which is another reason why in a COVID driven world, it's given us an opportunity to recognize what's relevant today. Gunshots in schools, campuses were relevant five years ago, were relevant last year. They'll be relevant next year and every year moving forward. Those sound classification events, you know, coughing today is relevant for COVID specifically because it's the number one way that it's spread. Coughing is also relevant in every flu season as well. And think about the next pandemic and planning for that, building towards that as well. Yep. So even if, we just, even if we just stuck in healthcare or retail or facilities, I'm just going to say, because we're built for the physical world first and only stayed with sounds to understand and recognize and drive actionable value from specific sound events, we can go a mile wide and an inch deep with the sound library across so many different waveforms, so many different types of classified events. Yeah. Or we can recognize that coughing today, though we're not a diagnostic tool to tell you whether or not you have COVID, a thermometer is also not going to tell you necessarily if you have COVID or not, because you may not have symptoms, sure. but you may actually have it as a yeah, super spreader. Yeah. So it's a solution from a return to work perspective, facilities driven perspective that we don't look to diagnose COPD or asthma or COVID or bronchitis or anything today, maybe in the future, once we've acquired future, a, yeah. a large enough data set, but, but post-diagnostic and then looking at a facilities return to work environment as rather than waiting until one person from your office tests positive or experiences symptoms and then tests positive, and then you have to shut down the entire office or campus or building rather than waiting until that happens and becoming reactive to a problem like that, understanding that we can have, you know, anywhere a security camera is, anywhere CCTV is, if our algorithms are running in the background to understand coughing in those corridors or those office spaces, workplaces, or anywhere there's a widget that's placed in a room that's just listening for that specific sound profile, we can isolate, we can help the employer or the office building to isolate that team in that workspace, get them tested proactively and sanitize that space before they decide to spread throughout the rest of the workplace, lose productivity and ultimately lose revenue from the global pandemic we're experiencing today. So it's, it's really become more of a proactive and almost preventative solution towards monitoring that and, and preventing the spread of yeah, influenza like illnesses. Highly relevant because everybody can immediately recognize, ah, Need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the business case for that is unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, works, it works both ways, but it's the preventative part that is, that is specifically interesting. 
So I wrote this book, The Remarkable Effects, and in the book, I reveal the 10 traits of a remarkable software business. You've been through a couple of businesses. I'm always interested to hear from founders like you, what do you believe are, are traits that you need to have in order to create yeah, a software business that people keep talking about? Perseverance, perseverance, and perseverance. No, you had that in your top three already. <laughs> yes, and that'll be the top three again. Perseverance is something that where there's a will, there's a way. I look at that as, and it's not just about trying to force a square peg into a round hole. It's about understanding, you know, maybe we need to find a Swiss army knife to whittle away at this square peg so it fits in the, in the, in the round hole or understand that maybe this isn't the right hole to fit into. Maybe there's a different hole that fits a little better. So it's, it's not about the brute force necessarily. It can be, that approach can work. It's about understanding that you build something great, that it's not just great for you. You have to understand that it's, it's got to be great for an end user, an end customer at the end of the day. That's the ultimate validation of value. So yes. perseverance is a big one for me. Perseverance, grit, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Mindset for me as well. Having a, a growth-oriented mindset. If my company's not growing, then I feel like I'm not growing fast enough. And, and my shareholders their value is not growing fast enough. The value for our end customers isn't growing fast enough. So therefore I'm doing an injustice towards time. And time is the most valuable resource that startups have, especially at the stage. But just in general, time is the most incredible resource that we have, but it's also the only thing that's really finite. You can always raise more capital. You can always find more customers. You can always build more products, but you're still running out of time. Yeah, it's only so 24 hours having, in a day. Well, hopefully only 24 hours, even though I feel like I'm working 27 hours. <laughs> but yeah, time and the understanding of the correlation between time and creation of value. That direct yeah. correlation and how much time it takes to create value on the other end of the equation, I'd say it's just more of a mindset. Very true. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only agree with that. So... In that journey and the perseverance, because the perseverance is also about obstacles and getting around it and, and falling and starting again. What has been a very big obstacle that you had to overcome and what is the lesson learned there? Or? Which one? <laughs> Honestly, there's several. Every part of every great journey includes not just hiking up one big mountain and saying, hey, I reached the top of Everest. It's the conditioning it took to get there and several mountains, climbing several peaks, scaling several surfaces in order to achieve that ultimate feat. And I, I look at, you know, Everest, Kilimanjaro, you know, those types of journeys as, well, I'm at the top now. I may be nowhere near the top and I don't by any means think I'm, I'm anywhere near the top of, of either one of those peaks. But, you know, I, I'm still looking at it with the mindset of, I still want to go to the moon. Yeah, what's next? Yeah, always what's next. So I, I just like to look at it from a product and a, and a business, I guess, development perspective and think about the journey. And I can try and convey this to my teams as well over the years. When you're selling an early technology, trying to find what value this is to this particular customer, and you're testing a hypothesis in a market, even pre-revenue, pre-product, you have to test it. You have to find a way to test it. So you know, understanding that, I kind of like to set three levels of goals as a company. One that's, you know, achievable as we're standing at the ground floor of the empire state building 
and understanding that our technology is only able to deliver up to the table we're sitting at, that, that table surface at the ground floor today. But we're selling the value through the roof of what it can deliver. We're not saying this is what it does today. We're saying this is what this technology can do for you. If there's value in that, we can continue down this journey together with the expectation of we don't actually start at the surface of this table where we're sitting today. We start where our feet are on the grounds. And this is the first goal is getting off the grounds, getting to the table. Even if the technology already does that, the solution already has that much value to recognize that we're already at the table. I'm sitting at the table with you. So maybe we're already at that table, but setting the expectation on a development side, working with engineers, we're still on the ground. (laughs) Giving them the opportunity to shine is incredibly important. The disconnect between business and engineering is massive. So understanding to manage and really establish expectations in guiding that customer relationship at the earliest stage of a technology, hey, this is where we can go, but this is where it starts. We're in the basement, actually. This is where this starts with this project. And then realizing that getting up to the table is the first step. True. Getting up to the top floor of the Empire State Building, maybe that's just the next step because getting out of this atmosphere, that's where we can take this technology beyond and this relationship beyond and the value for you, Mr. and Mrs. Customer. Yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, there's always something more. And also, yeah, kind of the space you're in and how you define yourself, you, you can keep adding things to it. It's not like you're in the coughing detection business or in the counter improvement, so the, the, the service rep account improvement business because you can take it to so many directions. And if tomorrow something is changing, you can, you can pivot like you've done already in the last couple of months. What have you been most proud of so far achieving? Are there any anecdotes that you keep talking about? You know, most proud of is a very challenging piece for me because I'm proud of so many things. But I'm proud to say that six months ago, it was two of us. And today we're up to seven headcounts. We're actually hiring two more. We may be at 10 people by the end of the year to go from, you know, a couple of founders with an idea through double digits and headcount in a year is really hyper growth, really exciting. And to say that it's my job as the founder and CEO to not just serve up the ramen, the, the noodles, make sure the family is fed. And again, not team, but family, I'll refer to them as. Each one of them is fantastic. So not just ensuring that they've got food on the table and startups, so it's usually ramen, <laughs> some kind of noodles, but to ensure that they're also healthy in the process as well, that they're excited about the mission, the path, the direction of the company. They're excited to build towards this, this solution as well. So I look at it as on two forms. It's it's got to have a personal commitment, a personal tie from each one of those members of the family. And it's my job to inspire them to have that, that meat from that meat for or food for thought on that yeah. as a growth opportunity for them to expand their capabilities and skill set, while also ensuring their, their financial security and commitment to us as a company, doing that conservatively at this stage, but making sure that there's a little bit of protein on the noodles as well. So they're healthy. Yeah. So Yeah, culture is something that's often missed in startups. And I think starting with that, building the right culture to inspire those leaders around you as members of the team to help to cultivate and grow in the right direction passionately is so incredibly important. 
It is, and it's indeed often missed and for the wrong reasons. And I sometimes see it also that, that where great cultures were available or were, were present, one thing can change the whole thing. For example, ownership change of a company, for example, going through an IPO and then becoming completely quarterly driven and having to, yeah, to please shareholders, not because of where you're going, but, but what you delivered last week. Of course, delivering is always important. But so much of the fun can be taken away by just becoming revenue and profit-oriented. So, yeah. Just to tail onto that too, one thing I will say is that every couple of weeks, anytime a new project pops up for us, I do like to check in with every member of the team and say, are you excited about this? Just asking a simple question like that. Does this project excite you? Does the work we're doing, does this excite you? Is this something that, that you want to be involved in, that you feel like is going to be fun. We're going to create value. We're going to better the world together. And so I, I do like to have regular touch points with, with each member of my team to ensure that they're growing and that they're committed and that they're, they really see the vision. Wow. Fascinating. That's the spirit. And that leads me to my next question. Where do you want to be in 12, 12 to 24 months time? Maybe 12 months is the right order here because everything is going so fast. Everything is moving fast. Six months ago, we raised an oversubscribed pre-seed rounds with some institutional capital on board. Small round, but we oversubscribed from the right players. Right now, nice. we're closing and oversubscribed. We're trying to figure out how oversubscribed we want to be. Angel rounds. And you know, this is six months later. We raised that pre-seed oversubscribed going into the worst health crisis of our lifetimes. We're closing an oversubscribed angel rounds during the second wave of this pandemic. And so in the next probably six months, realistically, closing our seed rounds, if we're able to hit a few of our milestones that seem like very low-hanging fruit for us right now, then oversubscribing our seed round and really truly coming to market with a bang flash, wow. In the next 12 months, so we're looking at next September, October timeframe, I would hope for us to be in a position where we have a handful of accounts that are generating beyond pilots actually converting into long-term widely deployed environments. And, you know, so financially on, on the business front, there's kind of two folds. I, I really want our product and our platform to be in the market and converting beyond pilots into those multi-year and long-term and large-scale deployments, at least at the yep. first stage of those. And then I also want to see our team growing and our team growing, not just in size, but growing in terms of commitments, growing in terms of, you know, hey, we're, we're all in, we're all about this, we absolutely love this, and, and they're all bought in. Churn for talent is not something I like having to deal with or have liked having to deal with over the years, but I've learned a ton from those experiences, which is why I check in with each member of my team True. with every project we get involved with. And if they're not getting the right support or guidance or, you know, they, they need a certain skill set that they just don't have, understanding that as early as possible, that's what's recognizing the potential outcome of that particular project. And I say project, but you know, pilot's a project because there's a start sure. and a finish. Yeah, sure. Scaling beyond that, you know, we're not focused on pilots today. We're focused on how do we get to six to seven figure ARR accounts. And it's not about we don't want pilots or we won't do pilots. That's everything starts with a pilot in the enterprise. He's very familiar with that format. Yeah. But we have to think beyond the pilot. And so going into the pilot with the mindset of we can sell it into a, you know, 30, 30 grand to 300 grand for a pilot for a limited term, 
but converting that beyond the pilot is the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It comes down to success. So having a framework for success of that pilot starts with managing expectations, starts with cultivating talent that can make it successful as well and curating the internal as well as the external to ensure this can't fail. So, you know, 12 months from now, I'll say converting a lot of those accounts from pilots into those large scale, long-term arrangements, contracts, and then growing the team as well. Personally, because wow. <laughs> that's, that's a different question. On the personal side, I'd like to see myself able to spend a little bit more time with those around me that I do care about. My mom, my brother, my sister, my friends, you know, being able to start to enjoy that quality of life again and really support them as they've supported me through this journey. Yeah, and that's, that's a very wise thing to say because work for some reason takes over so often and we just take the rest for granted and it's not for granted. So have you got any plan how to achieve that? I mean, I was recently listening to a podcast where we were two, two founders, successful companies who were actually on a 32-hour work week, which I think is like, wait a minute. <laughs> Great. I'm going to say that we're building that framework today to hopefully achieve those goals tomorrow. And that, that Techstars is an amazing organization with over yeah. 2,000 companies in their portfolio. They've built a framework right. for success. And you know, a lot of it's driven by the network, the knowledge, the expertise. You know, Techstars as a Techstars founder now, as a Techstars company is great. But you know, as a Techstars founder, it's Techstars for life. Being a member of the Techstars family, it's an incredible milestone in my journey towards what I do next with Vocalytics and even beyond. And so, you know, they've actually, they've given a lot of tools and resources and exercises that I haven't been familiar with. You know, I've built financial models and cap tables and, you know, a lot of the, the business exercises from a, from a lean canvas perspective, customer validation, you know, sales pipelines, all of that stuff, forecasting for all of it. But there are some core exercises that have been fantastic and we're only four weeks in. So I'm really excited to further develop those over the next eight weeks as well and, you know, establish ourselves for success personally Very and professionally. Well. It inspires me also to keep hanging on there with my own tribe that I'm building here. Cause I mean, if having people like you doing, being such an advocate already after four weeks, that's a dream to many companies. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot to learn there. So yeah, where can people go to find out more about Vocalytics and to say hi to you? Yeah. I mean, the, the easiest way is our website. Just, www.vocalytics, V-O-C-A-L, vocal, Y-T-I-C-S, dot A-I. So vocalytics.ai. We're sticking with that dot A-I for now. Also our LinkedIn page, you can just look us up under Vocalytics. Not as active on there yet as we've mostly been in stealth mode, but feel free to reach out. Find me at my email. Feel free to shoot me a note at any time. Van, just V-A-N at vocalytics.ai as well. And feel free to share that with the audience as well. Okay, I'll do that. Well, it's in the, it's in the call right now. So thank you very much, Van, for yeah, this inspiring call. Learned a great number of things. I like, it, like the perspective that you have on business, on creating cultures, on customer value, and yeah, picking your bets. I really like that aspect of it. So thanks for that. Absolutely. Really appreciated the time. This has been fantastic. Well, similar on my end. Thank you very much. And this ends my conversation with Van. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, please leave your rating on iTunes. And if you got inspired by it, 
please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Van West, founder and CEO of Vocalytics. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.